Welcome to the Inner Athlete Podcast, where we discuss all things youth athlete development and youth mentoring. All right, Matt, since you are the, uh, the footy guy here at Inner Athlete, let's talk about footy. Let's yep. talk about the young players, all right? And what are, you, what are the common themes or themes or things that you see um, with player, um, with the development side, whether it's, you know, they're coming up through the junior system, you know, playing representative yep. in the TAC Cup yep. and whatnot. Um, even at the local level as well. So, you know, once they pass that age and, you know, they want to play VAFA, SFL, SNFL, whatever it may be. Yeah. What, what are the, I guess, the common mistakes or the common issues that people constantly, like it's, it, it's constantly on repeat, like a bad record, just the same yeah. thing, keep hitting it. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, like you say, so over the summer, I got to do a bit of work with just with junior footy and some little academies um, over summer. And I guess, yeah, the main thing is, just their, I guess, their inability to run, their inability to do any sort of athletic abilities. They've never been taught from a young age. And then when they get to, like you say, a tack up level or a, a senior level, um, they, they, it's sort of their first exposure to a high performance guy or anything like that. So they're sort of, like you say, like we like to say, wet noodles or um, completely raw to any sort of SNC or athletic development stuff. So, you know, you try to get them to do any running tech or, um, athletic jumps marches bounds whatever it might be they just have no body control no body awareness um and then you sort of see that translate not so much when they're younger but as it sort of hits 16 17 those older years they start to have you know back knee ankle um injuries and again it's probably from growing as well but from a younger age they just haven't been taught you know proper mechanics proper just shapes and just how they're supposed to be moving so yeah, I just want to make a side note on that one. This could be a topic for another day. Um, a lot of the best AFL players now are actually multi-sport athletes. If, yeah. if most people don't know what that means is they play a multitude of sports and um, I won't go too deep into it, is like, you know, where it's basketball, soccer, yeah. they yeah. tend to be the big ones, track and field, yeah. um, cross country as well. Yeah. Um, these, are, these are kind of like the sports that a lot of the, the AFL players um, have played growing up um, touch rugby for some of them as well yeah I know I think um, Nick Freewalt I think he played touch rugby okay, a yeah. little bit yeah um, but yeah like you say yeah I know Petrarca um, Penderbury obviously is a big one big basketball boy so I um, mean you can see it when they play their sport you know they're good in close they're, they're comfortable with you know lots of bodies around them so yeah you're able to take skills from, from different sports and use them to your, your main sport um, per se um, but yeah, so yeah, common mistakes here, I guess, especially with, I guess, the younger kids is that lack of athletic development and then just even as basic as just going through warm-ups and um, on game days and, and at trainings, you know, I know we don't like to use leg swings and all those sorts of movements. And just, I fucking hate them. Yeah. I think they're absolutely the devil. They could belong <laughs> um, with burpees. There you go, yeah. Um, yeah, so your normal, you know, go run two laps or go run a lap and we'll go do some leg swings. Um do a few run-throughs whatever it might be some static stretches and then you know straight into ball work um you know that's you know that the old traditional sort of way of thinking and um i guess may may or may not have worked for however long but um i guess now we can sort of reframe it and, and come into things a little bit more a little bit smarter um to help prevent you know those little common injuries because you know they're always happening and they're always going to be um, prevalent as long as um, you know these sort of systems are still in place. Um, I guess yeah, another big one, especially on game days and leading into game days, is the hydration and nutrition. So again, 
sort of paired with a warm-up is in that preparation. So how, how are they going into games? Are they prepared for any injuries or any niggles that they have coming in? And then are they able to last through the game? So in the cramping or, um, again, with like the little strains that you know, might be having just from happening just from a lack of nutrition um, that they've prepared for, yeah. I want to go back one step. For those who don't know me personally, I love to question people. Yeah. Um, let, let's go back to the warm-up. So, the the warm-up side. So, this the warm-up seems to be very universally the same across every club at every level. They tend to take the same things. Yeah. Now, if you look at some other sports, I guess the more newer sports, I'd say. Um, I guess a sport like ice hockey. Now, for those who didn't know, I actually went to the US and actually got to work at a um, the University of Wisconsin. Well, I didn't work, but did placement there. I got to work with the men's and women's ice hockey teams. This was a real eye-opener for me specifically but in terms of the way they warmed up, um, in terms of, I guess, the the camaraderie that comes with the warm-up as well and the, and the structure and how it was led effectively and efficiently to really prime them for you know, getting on the ice. So they, what they did was is they would go in the gym and then the strength coach would actually drive this warm-up. So it's very dynamic in nature. The, the, nice, the nice thing was the, the, facility, the facility itself had like almost like its own running track inadvertently the way it was set up. So yep. they'll be doing lot, lots of, um, do some running tech. Um, they'll do everything from like side shuffles, you know, anything locomotive-based to get the heart rate warm-up. Yep. Um, some mobility base work um, and it was really just kind of like a big environment just kind of amp up the energy get the blood flowing get the head in the game and yep. whatnot and the second and even before that what they would do is as a team or even like half the team they'll play what's called like sewer ball basically it's like you're in a circle and you're just keeping the soccer ball up so it's a bit of hand-eye coordination a bit of camaraderie you're laughing around joking around and whatnot it was just yep. a bit of fun it was just yep. um, didn't seem so serious and then things start to ramp up as I start getting into it, they'd go suit up, they'd get on the ice and do like the actual specific warm-ups as well. Yeah. The the issue that I, obviously, the warm-ups that I see, I guess, in the local level with footy, you could say that with NRL. I think less so with NRL these days because it is quite, it is a bit more structured in terms of the demands Yeah. as well. Um the, yeah, the warm-up footy is, yeah, it's the two laps, it's the leg swings, it's then straight into lines. I've never seen it really change over the last, you know, five, ten years yeah. as I've been in this industry. And what I would want to see is a bit more of a, a nuanced approach with it. Like, I know they do individualized warm-ups and whatnot, but I think if you just constantly go through the monotony of the same warm-up, yeah. Are you really getting your head in the game? Yeah. You're constantly going through the same cycle. You can potentially just switch off. It's like going for a run along the foreshore. Yeah. That you've done, you know, a couple hundred times. You know where this, where the hill's going to be. You know where the same pothole is. You know the conditions and whatnot. Yeah. I think we need to actually create uh, another level of engagement with the actual warm-up itself. Yeah. And I would love to see that is... Um, within the junior level specifically because they're just going through the same thing the same patterns of behavior and whatnot and then it becomes even harder to change it depending on the conditions now if the warm-up say if the weather conditions change right which in melbourne for those who live in melbourne you know four seasons one day whatnot yeah it can be cold it can be windy it can be raining it can be hot so the warm-up itself needs to be somewhat adapted 
to the environment that we're in as well. Yeah. So if it's really cold, really freezing, we need to be in the sheds, getting them warm, really like really warm, get the heart rate up, um, blood flow, all that jazz, respiratory rate and all that um, before they actually go outside. Um, the reason why is because they're going to cool down really quickly. If you do a really sh- like your traditional timed warm up indoors, then go outside, they're going to cool down a little bit faster. So we actually want to delay the cooling down effect if it's really cold and really wet and really windy. Yeah. If it's really hot, what do we do there? It's a little bit different. We can actually have spend less time. And the reason why is is because the heart rate is going to be more elevated versus when they're playing in the cold. Yeah. So do we need to get them warmed up at the same intensity? Probably not, no. Yeah. So there needs to be some level of nuance with the warm-up um, with that. And I think... Leg, going back to leg swings, the reason why I absolutely hate them with a passion, it, when I was over in Wisconsin, the strength coach there, um, Jim Schneider, um, he's actually still there. He's crushing it at the moment, the men's basketball. Um, he said, like, the problem with leg swings is, leg swings is you're just really just throwing them, you're throwing your leg around and you're not really, it's not, not under much tension. When you're yeah. kicking the ball, when you're running, you're generating tension and force through it. When you're just throwing the leg around, you, the muscles lose tension as they go through their range. And all you're really doing is you're stretching out the tendons and the ligaments in, in the joints. Yeah. Um, now, I think if you are going to do leg swings, you need to do it in more of a range of motion and under tension that's going to somewhat mimic what you're going to do, whether it's kicking or running. So actually generating tension on the way up and on the way down, not just kind of like flopping and throwing it around like a wet noodle, as, yeah. as we like to say here. Um, same thing when you go across the body as well um, in regards to that. So that's just my two cents on that. Yeah. I know the clubs that I've worked with, I've thrown that out the window and I told them why. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, yeah, implementing just, you know, little plyometrics into your warm-up, little bounds, little running tech um, will go a long way. And I know just, I guess, anecdotally and personally, working with the kids for about three months, um, yeah, from session one to session whatever it was after the three months just seeing how they're able to i guess progress in terms of the running tech you know it started basic as you know little a marches to being able to do bounds and and sprints and and regular sprints so i guess microdose that little bit of um speed work into the into their sessions especially over the pre-season um yeah see a lot of improvements with them just physically not even in the in a footy sense or any skill sort of skill sense um just purely in their physical ability to move their body and, and be able to control um under certain movements um so yeah. yeah yeah and you also got to think they're still developing as well so in a warm-up you inadvertently can actually continue the development phase yeah. as well yeah yes uh, you're not going to introduce new skills as such but over a four-week window you may actually start to progress them a little bit more. So if you if you start with introducing a new drill and training, yeah, I guess, and you can actually start to feed that into the game day warm up. Yeah, do that for four to six weeks. See the progression from that. They start to improve. You see, you know, carry over into the actual game itself. Beautiful. That's great. Yeah. Then you continue to progress that along the continuum and actually increase the complexity. So by the end of the season, they've actually accumulated more skills. Yeah. And you've just been very smart with the actual dosing of it yeah. as well. I guess even like as a, as a little hack or a little trick as a coach, if you're constantly teaching them a new thing every other week, you're going to have their attention a lot quicker than if you're just doing the same warm-up 
every time, every time. It's a, like we've said in the past, it's very, very easy for the kids just to switch off, just to start talking with their mates and start mucking around at the back of the line. But if every time, you know, every fortnight you're coming in with a new skill or a new um, progression to the, tra- to the warm-ups, you know, hoping, hoping that they're good kids and they're actually listening to you, they're going to want to um, have your attention um, and seek that feedback, you know, they wanna, they're going to ask if they're doing it right or um, if this is how it's supposed to feel or whatnot. So, um, yeah, it's a good little hack as a coach, I guess, to keep the kids' attention span on you rather than on, on their mates and just mucking around. Yeah, that's a huge one. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Um, let's go to the nutrition. So what, what do you see? I know we harped on it a little bit before. What do you see is the um, at the local level of footy, the biggest things um then what can they do to rectify that yeah and i guess like i said yeah nutrition plays a massive role and it's not just the night before or the game days or the morning of um it probably starts from almost wednesday night or thursday thursday morning um if you're already sort of like we say the carb loading um foods like that if you're already starting the process then starting hydration then um you're going to able yeah, your, your body's going to be better able to store and, and use a lot of these nutrients that you're taking in, whether it be, you know, potassium, uh, magnesium. Um, you can't just be taking them on game day and expecting not to be cramping. and, and Carbs, water, any. salt, yeah. you know, you name it. Yeah. Um, so you have to be starting them at least, I'd say, on Thursday, minimum. Yeah, um, and I think this goes back to the old thing. Most people don't like to eat a lot on game day. Yeah. Nerves are high. Even if they've got an afternoon game, you ask them what they have for breakfast. Oh, you know, six wee bags of milk. What'd you have for lunch? I don't know, half a pack of lollies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. And we know that for a fact that's not enough fuel. Yeah. 100%. Um, at the moment, we're working... Um, I'm currently coaching um, Harrison. Harrison is our um, developing AFL umpire. His, his aspirations to play in, in oh, the umpire in the AFL, not play in the AFL, umpire the AFL, in yeah. the AFL. Um, he plays local footy as well. He umpires one or two matches a week. Then he also plays from time to time as well when it's home. So yeah. he's more focused on the AFL de- um, umpiring development side. Um, footy for him is just a social setting, which is, which is great. Yeah. Um, so because they run... Uh, some some games, these real easy games, you could be clocking up five k's, but it's pretty low to moderate intensity, and that's with like you know under eight or t- eights, tens, twelves, or something like that. Yeah. When he's doing like seniors on a Saturday, he you know he's clocking up between twelve and fifteen k's, depending on the weather, the conditions, you know how how good the teams are as well, and yeah. moving the ball. Yeah. Um, so he's he's doing a lot of work, and sometimes he might be called into doing a second match that day as well. So he might do res, um, reserves beforehand, and he'll have like actually a hot like twenty minute window to rest, get some fuel in, then umpire again. So he's paint, he's running two games. That's a lot. Yeah. So the one thing we noticed is, um, and we spoke about this before we even started coaching Harrison, was he'd he'd be feeling tired and fatigued. His decision making process would really decline in the fourth quarter. So. What we did was we kind of backtracked a little bit and we wanted to understand like what he was actually eating um, the week pr- um, the week th- um, leading up to the, these games. Um, long story short, he just wasn't fueling himself enough. So what we had to do is if he's restricting himself in terms of the amount of calories because he literally just can't digest them because he's constantly active, he's constantly working, his brain is working on overdrive, you know, yeah. running and making decisions 
on the run is a hard thing, especially as an umpire. You get so many things you got to take into consideration yeah. as well. So what we did is basically two nights before, we actually got him to begin to eat a lot more than he normally would. And that will help to compensate for the lack of calories he would have on the Saturday and sometimes on the Sunday as well, depending on what's happening. Yeah. So we could he could be anywhere from like, you know, 500 to 1,000 calories on, on a Thursday and Friday leading up just eating whatever he felt like he wanted to. So, making make, making sure foods are palatable. So, yeah. foods you can actually stomach and enjoy and digest. Yeah. So, mum just basically just cooks more of the same food. He likes the same okay. things, yeah, which works. is great. Which yeah. is great for my, for me as a coach. Yeah. Um, and that's been working as a charm. Does he, and he feels like he's a lot more consistent in terms of his running. Like, he's, his average, um, his average top speed throughout the quarters doesn't drop off that much, which is, you would normally see anyways in a game. Yeah. His decision-making process is pretty consistent as well. And the feedback from the supervisors, I guess, his bosses essentially, um, but from like more the development um, side from the VFL, is he's doing a phenomenal job. His yeah. decisions are crisp. He's able to react and respond. He's, you know, the feedback is there is no feedback, which yeah. is... That's what you want to hear. Yeah, exactly. But it, I guess for for someone like him and his personality, he wants to continue to work. And I'm like, mate, that's that's a huge success. Yeah. For someone, for you know, former umpire, AFL umpires themselves to recognise you, it's like you're doing a phenomenal job. Yeah. So, and that's been one of the successes of just like manipulating the calories earlier in the week. So on average throughout the week, you're still consuming your normal amount. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of how much you're eating throughout the day or throughout the week. We just manipulate that where you might have your higher days, you can have your low days and you have just your normal moderate days as well. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. I think, yeah, the three the three biggest issues as we discuss is, yeah, what were they? The, yeah, the preparation, making sure the warm-up. Most kids tend to dick around. We want to make sure that, you know, if they have to learn a new skill, they have to focus their attentions on the skill itself. Yeah. Uh, number two is oh actually we didn't harp on um, the strength training side yeah I was going to say yeah so, sorry about yeah. that um, so yeah um, yeah since footy is your background and domain what, what do you see is the um, from a strength training perspective or lack of strength training lack of strength training like yeah. wh- why why are people still getting the same issues or um, how is that you know from your um, experiences and what you've observed how has strength training helped you but how is how could strength training help someone who isn't doing yeah. strength um but i guess like i've said just before it, it starts from younger if you can start start them younger it's going to help them in the long term but um yeah speaking to a lot of people that i play with and similar ages whatever they might be um they don't like to touch their legs or their lower body in any way during the season and then wonder why halfway through the um, pulling up sore, they're getting breakdown. Yeah, hamstring, calf, back, knees, ankle—all these little injuries that can easily be avoided um, if they just, you know, touch their legs and and use their leg, um, train their legs during the weeks um, in games. It doesn't have to be doesn't have to be hard. You know, it doesn't have to be extensive. It's just you know helping to mitigate and minimise any risk of injuries um, through. I guess exposing you know common areas so like your hamstrings, your calves, exposing them to just little you know, like the micro dosing, just little bits of high intensity. So it might be incorporating a bit of sprints into your into your um, warm ups if you're in the gym. Um, also at training, you should be doing them at trainings anyway. But um, every training session. Yeah. So if you can you know do 
four or five little 10 meter sprint efforts in your um, warm-ups in the gym you know exposing your, your hamstrings just a little bit more um to that stimulus um and then yeah i guess incorporating movements in the gym so whether it be a copenhagen or just even med ball squeezes something to help the adductors um and those groins again which are another common common injury uh site for a lot of players um and then yeah making sure you're getting some sort of hinge and some sort of squat pattern into your into your routine whether it be single double leg doesn't really matter just getting some some squatting pattern into your routine is is i guess really really crucial um because yeah now i guess at this point of the season we're what five six games in we're already starting to see a lot of a lot of boys go down with ankle injuries um again from lack of athletic development i would put it down to more than anything but yeah a lot of ankle injuries a lot of soft tissue stuff that really shouldn't be an issue in round five we've had five games and already easter break and everything like that already so i've had plenty of plenty of time off to be recovering from things so um i really do think it's it's from a lack of that willingness to i guess you know it doesn't have to be a long session either if you come in and do 45 minutes if you can hit most things you need to um but yeah just having that that willingness to to use strength training um to help you build that resiliency and like dave likes to say that that body armor so using building the muscles um, in the relevant places to protect yourself from any injuries that may be coming up in your sport specifically. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people get um, think they're going to get the legs are going to pull up sore or anything like that. Yeah. What we're doing is we're building yeah the resiliency. So what that really means is if we're, if we're developing you know strong robust legs uh, for for running and whatever it may be or for footy, what we're really doing is is we're exposing a above the load that it would normally get exposed to um, so then we're not allowing ourselves to end up in a catastrophic um, position so everything is kind of like on a continuum and now if we expose our legs and and load our legs beyond what they actually get exposed to in a footy match or maybe get exposed one or two times then we know that if we um, if we perform at like 70 or 80% of that then our legs are going to be able to tolerate that so that's called what's, what's called a strength reserve yeah essentially so it's basically you know you, you being able to deal with these lo- these um the, the jumps the carts the landings just the general loading and, yep. the, and be able to tolerate the fatigue at the same time as well yeah um then as a result you're going to be able to recover faster this is what people don't know if you get stronger you do recover faster over time as well um from from running um we've actually known noticed that with a lot of our um um a lot of our what was it called um, other uh, other athletes as well where where we've gotten them stronger and they actually notice a recovery time where it used to be maybe 48 hours now it's reduced to 24 hours because yep. their ability to tolerate that that work or that load throughout the system throughout match day yeah um is has actually improved yeah yeah so what that means is they can potentially train more yeah, and, so, and basically yeah. survive a lot longer. Yeah, help them in the long term. Yeah, yeah, um, and they're going to avoid, I guess, those soft tissue injuries that just come from a lack of loading through the system as well. Yeah, and like you say, once you've built that strength reserve, and that's predominantly going to be done through the preseason when you have the time to um, recover. You know, when you're not playing games. Um, yeah, I guess it's switching that 
focus in season to I guess a lot of more high intensity work at lower lower volume so like we say we want to mitigate that fatigue so we do that we just um, increase the intensity or keep the intensity the same as we as we had it but decreasing that volume a lot so like I say if you're only hitting legs once a week and early on the week would be better um, away from the games um, yeah decreasing that volume so you're just mitigating any any chance of muscular fatigue um, like I say it's going to aid in recovery from the week before and then help you stay injury free and and be able to recover um from the training sessions during the week um and aid in that process yeah and it becomes more enjoyable because you're not injured yeah it's that's pretty right. funny that yeah it's frustrating being injured sometimes yeah athletes biggest strength is available availability yes 100 yeah. percent. If, if you know if you play team sport being available you're going to get the call up and just yeah. being ready um i want to go back to harrison really quickly because he's a really good example of someone who has limited time um, has a lot of training. He has does he does umpire training as well as footy training. Yeah. yeah. Um, then obviously he has a lot of lock on on the weekend. So his training sessions are actually quite short. And we yeah. do a lot of isometric work at the moment. So we're doing um, a lot of less so overcoming work, which is more about more force production. We're doing a lot more yielding. So we're trying to build tolerance um, through the tissues, specifically through his tendons, yeah. um, because he's he's had issues in the past with his Achilles. Um, and we know that can be a potential issue for someone who does a lot of running and we've actually cleaned up his running technique as well. So that, so there's a lot of factors that do feed into the ability for a player to be, remain available. I think that's the main thing yeah. where the, it comes from, you know, the running technique, proper warm-up and, that, and the nutrition side. So hopefully everyone who's actually listening to this, there's a lot more factors than just turning up to training. You know, all the prep yeah. work does before you even turn up to training as well, making yeah. sure that you can actually develop the skills, understand the structures. And if your body's feeling really good in a wake, you're going to be about, things are going to be, you're going to learn things faster as well. So if you're slow, sluggish, broken down, and you're on the sidelines and you can't participate because, you know, we can't do lateral work because you're, um, say, your, your ankle's still playing up, you can only do linear work, you know, yeah. up and down. And it's like your ability to learn new skills or the structures or be able to uh, ingrain those structures and continually rehearse those structures is yeah. going to be diminished as well. So it's really going to set you back in the long term yeah. as well. Um, then probably wrap, wrap it up with this one. So when I was at Wisconsin, I also got to work with the women's soccer team. So yeah. um, the women's soccer team, they are actually you know, very talented, mm-hmm. the young women, when sure I was there. Um, some of them were actually playing for the national teams as well. Okay. So I think the US and Canada was the main ones. Yeah. Um, long long story short, with that, the the ones that were on the field all the time turned up to all the strength training sessions. The ones yeah. who skipped sessions were the ones who were in the injured group. We had to write programs and take them through their programs and whatnot. Yeah. So it really was an, a test to those who actually stuck it out in terms of the development, whether it was the freshmen, so the first year all the way up to fourth and fifth years. The ones who consistently turned up to the strength training sessions that had a greater chance of playing and being selected and rem- and had a greater chance of remaining injury-free as well. Yeah. yeah. So, I think that's the main lesson there. If you, if you aren't doing strength training, get into it. If you're doing a lot of strength training, great. Yeah. That's good. Good. You have just listened to the Inner Athlete Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with the release of weekly episodes. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to get great tips on all things youth athlete development and youth mentoring.